Let me set up a video clip we have. So if you want to darken the lights for a second, you're going to see Mama Gloria and Archbishop. Oh, no, no, freeze, 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 freeze. Okay, freeze it. So what you're about to see is about um, 74 kids that live in the Quashi home who have been without their parents for eight and a half months. And the thing you may not know is most of these kids were actually rejected by their own parents. Um, some of them have AIDS. Some of them have, you know, different physical situations. One kid whose name is God Bless, God Bless was actually found in a garbage dump. And all his family had been killed by Boko Haram. They're, they're like some fanatical uh, jihad Muslim group that kills the Christians in northern Nigeria. Ben, every week, would show me videos that he gets from his bishops and his friends. His brother one week sent a video of 146 people killed in one week. And the next week, there's another number. And the next week, there's another number. These are kids, uh, like God bless, who have no parents. And so for their parents to go away, imagine if you, if you had no parents, you'd been rejected, and all of a sudden, Mama and, and, and Ben had taken you in, and all of a sudden, they're gone, and you don't even know if they're coming back. This is the coming back. Watch with joy. Did you see it? Did you see it? There were some other clips of Mama, Mama and Ben dancing and doing the African dance that was just even more fun, but there's a limit to how much I could show you. But the point being is, why are those kids so excited? Well, because their mom and daddy are back. Well, Ben and Gloria are back. Um, how is it that, that they could celebrate on this day? Well, number one, and most importantly, it's the Lord. Like, the Lord healed Ben and is healing Ben. And so that is a miracle. But you know that God actually uses people. And so there were, there were people all over the world who prayed for Mama Gloria, and particularly for Ben, who had stage four cancer. And some of you did that. And see, do you see what your prayers did? Your generosity to stop what you were doing and to take Ben before the throne of God and ask him to heal him of cancer so he could still be a dad to these kids it worked they that rejoicing is a fruit of your prayer there also I mean there were a number of people that gave generously um, I remember so I got this email from from somebody he writes on Anglican matters and he goes in oh it's bad news today we got um, Archbishop Ben Kwashi of Nigeria 
has colon cancer. And so I do what I often do is I, I didn't think about it too hard. I just knew that I knew. And so I wrote Ben on WhatsApp. Excuse my French. But I said, Ben, get your butt over here. This is a matter of life and death. Get your butt over here. Because if you don't come, you're probably going to die. Now, do we have any money saved to pay for this three, dollars $400,000 worth of surgery and treatment? No. But you know how sometimes you just know that you know? Like, without you even thinking too hard, God just kind of speaks through you like a pipe. And, and uh, so I told him to come. And, and rather than say, yes, I will, oh, great, thank you for offering, for seven days, nothing. I didn't hear. I was like, did you get my email? And then I get this, like, very detailed letter. Because Ben's a charismatic evangelical, but he's also a real thinker. And he had all these questions. There's, I don't know, a page and a half of questions. And I'm thinking, heavens, man, we just want to help you get well. Don't worry about all the questions. Just come. And um, finally, I tried to answer the questions I could. And finally, I said, Ben, there's some questions I can't answer. I just know that the Lord is going to provide for this. I know it. It's not wishful thinking. It's not positive thinking. I ain't got that. What I do know is I know what I know. And the Lord said to tell you to come here and come now. And so they finally said, okay, okay, we're going to leave our family, leave our church, leave all our kids. And I called a friend of mine, Bob Williams, and Bob's retired from practicing medicine. And I said, Bob, I need help. I need help. I don't know how to do all this. I said, could you make a few phone calls? Well, you take a newly retired doctor who's bright, smart, and loves Jesus, just get out of his way. He called me back in like three days and he goes, okay, so I've got Dr. Madge Ellis. She's going to do the surgery using a Da Vinci robotic machine and do it for free. We've got the anesthesiologist. Oh, by the way, he's in our church, Gennard Lanzera. He wants to do this for free. And there are so many others that volunteered. And so the day of the surgery was there and Madge had her hands in this fancy Da Vinci thing. It's kind of like a video game except for you save people's lives with it. That's how you do surgery. And so she gets in there, and she sees the colon. She said, yeah, I was expecting you, and she takes it out. But then she's looking around some more, and she goes, ruh-roh, uh-oh. And then one of the other people in the room said that Madge Ellis just started to cry. It's not that she's never seen cancer. She sees cancer all the time. But she had a love for Ben. Like, there's something the Lord did that, she get, that he gave Madge this incredible love. Maybe it was the kids. I don't know, but she had it. And so there she is, like, really distraught. In, I mean, she's in the middle of surgery. Ben's on the table. And so I guess she pulls out of the Da Vinci or whatever it is. She's still wearing all her gear. and She, she calls up this other surgeon who, by the way, came from Africa and lives here. His name's Dempe. Dempe's specialty is liver surgery. And so when Madge goes in and sees that the, the, the cancer had spread to the liver, she realized she wasn't really qualified. She wasn't the doctor to do it. So she goes, middle of the day, hey, Dempe, this is, this is Dr. Ellis. I got a friend on the table, and uh, unexpectedly his cancer has spread to his liver. I need you. I need you now. Will you do it? And he said, of, of course I'll do it. 
He said, I'll cancel all my patients, all the ones that are in my office right now. I'll cancel them all. And she said, oh, there's one more matter. I need you to do it for free. I mean, friends, that's like a $7,000 little helping surgery, $7,000. He said, I'll do it for free. And on and on and on it went. Even, you know, I didn't really, I didn't give any thought to chemo. I was like, God's going to provide. Well, sure enough, he did. Dr. Paul Richards and his staff took such amazing care. I don't know how they got the drugs. I don't care. I just thank Jesus. But friends, I'm just telling you, that is a visible and tangible sign of people Honestly, these, most of them weren't even church people, right? They weren't our church people. They'd never, never heard of Ben and Gloria. They just were generous, ridiculously generous. And do you see the fruit of their generosity? See, when I saw that video, whew, I was thinking of another way this story could have gone. The story could have gone as like all these people who were generous. Those of you who prayed, you wouldn't have prayed. Those of you who volunteered your services for free didn't do that. Those of you who drove, we had, we had kids in our church, 20-year-old people driving here, driving there, driving to Minnesota. I mean, just crazy generosity. But you know what? If that hadn't happened, he would have died. And the doctors tell me there's almost no question he would have died. And I imagine what that group of 80 kids would have been like had we not been generous as the Lord tells us to be generous. Instead of celebrating that their mom and dad are back, they would have been grieving and falling down at the loss of their second father. So friends, that's a tangible, that's a sermon. We could walk off right there. But I do want to take you into Proverbs. And this week, I just said, well... Uh, if I'm going to preach from Proverbs, I need to read the whole book. Now, that's one of the blessings of being a pastor. You get to do those things. That's part of your work. So I read the entire book of Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs. And it doesn't take that long. But can I tell you, even though it's not like reading War and Peace or some, you know, or the Encyclopedia Britannica, it took some time. But I wanted to make sure that I knew every single word in Proverbs. What does it say about generosity? What does it say about greed? That's what we're going to look at today. So there's kind of four, four points, three on generosity, one on greed. Three on generosity, one on greed. And friends, I totally ripped this off. I hear of all these pastors who get, you know, uh, lose their job because they read something online or read a book and they use some of that material. That's called plagiarism. So I'll just tell you, a lot of times I'll surf to a website and I'll borrow this and I'll borrow that. But don't worry. We'll give them credit. Some guy from California who's a financial planner had these headings on his website. So I ripped those off, but then I put my own words underneath them. Okay, is that fair? Great. So the first thing he said is he's trying to teach his clients about managing the resources God puts in their hands. It comes from Proverbs, and, and the heading is generosity is a path to blessing. Generosity, being generous, is a path that's going to take you somewhere. And according to this man, and I believe he backs it up with Proverbs, generosity is a path not just to somewhere, but to blessing. Now, if you have your Bible, or if you have your app, it's way better if you look. Otherwise, you'll remember 1%. There's some of us, by the time we get to our car, we're like, what did the pastor preach on? I don't know. But, and that goes, but honey, you were the one preaching. 
I mean, it's like, I know, I know. That's why we need to follow along and learn visually and write things down. So Proverbs eleven twenty four says this. Again, the heading is, generosity is the pathway to blessing. Here's the first one. Proverbs 11. One person gives freely and yet, surprisingly, gains even more. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshed others will himself or herself be refreshed. Could anything be more clear? I I, want to read this again so we don't forget this. One person gives freely, and yet he gains even more. In other words, they shovel out with a ladle. God shovels in with his ladle. God's ladle's bigger. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Annette and I could testify. We had so many Nigerians call us. I mean, they're an emotional people. They're a loving people. They're a passionate people. They're an educated people. We had so many call us, and they're like crying on the phone, thanking us, like literally we saved their kid from death. And I don't know about you. I mean, everybody likes, I guess, to, to be thanked, and I didn't want to push th- their thanks away. Right? Because it takes something to step into saying thank you. And yet I had to say, guys, to be honest with you, can I just be honest with you? Like, thank you. I received that in Jesus' name. But could I also be honest and go, my brain wasn't working that fast. All that happened is I got an email without even thinking, without analyzing, without calling, without raising money. The Lord just spoke. And I said, Ben, and maybe the Lord wouldn't have used this word. I said, Ben, get your butt over here. And he came. And so a lot of people think, oh, wasn't that hard to have somebody in your house? I mean, you've had house guests that don't leave, right? In our fraternity, when people wouldn't leave, we would pour ammonia on the floors to get them out. We would. Try it sometime. You get some people hanging around for Thanksgiving dinner, pour ammonia on the floor, they'll leave, I promise you. But what I want to tell you is, you know, our life was different in the last eight months. We had a family living with us, and we went back and forth and back and forth to the doctor. But, but all that is just minuscule nothing. The, the big thing Annette and I are left with is we were blessed. We were refreshed. We had joy. There are people all over the world that love to have Mama Gloria, woman of God, in their house. And she's not just in our house. She's our sister. We love her. We love Ben. We ate dinner every night. Um, we, God, you blessed us. You refreshed us. That's what generosity does. Again, generosity is a pathway to blessing. Let's find another scripture. It says this. This is one I wish I had known the Bible well enough to share with my grandparents. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Could you imagine a kid saying, hey, granddad, hey, granddad. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And friends, I believe that. I believe scripture. What I would say is, if you're getting near the end of life and you've got a wad sitting somewhere, there's an amount you want to give to your children and grandchildren to bless them. Really give them a little hand up. But if you give them too much, you're not really blessing them. I have had so many friends that received a wad, and then, you know, they just didn't work at age 34 or 40 because they didn't need to. 
And they just took to this and took to all kinds of things, and their lives were train wrecks. I had a, one of my best friends received $10 million in 1985. And I joke and say, you know, in 85, that was a lot of money. <laughs> you know how much he died with? Zero. He spent every penny. He ended up in Greenville County Mission in a wing where his own parents, who were very wealthy, had built the wing. That's how he ended his life, penniless. And so what we understand, friends, is uh, Proverbs says, generosity is the pathway to blessing. If you give freely, God's going to bless you and give even more. It could come in money, but it could come in other blessings. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes will be refreshed. So, so there you go. Let me share a quote. I ripped this off from somebody else. I don't even remember who. Stingy and greedy people see the world as a pie. And as soon as I thought of this, I thought of my childhood. I mean, if you had siblings and you had pies and cakes, you know how that works, right? Your sister or brother, they always took the bigger piece, and it led to a rumble, right? And then your mother came up with this great idea. It's like, well, one cuts, the other chooses which piece. And if you want to see a millimeter cut, I mean, it was awesome, y'all. I would have this knife, and I'm like looking at this thing, and I'm like, okay, there it is. Oh, no, that's a little bigger. So you, I didn't want my sister to get a nanometer more pie than me, right? And so it says, stingy and greedy people see the world as a pie, and there are only so many pieces to go around. And if they give away what they have, they believe they'll have less. And so they try to hoard to try and protect their wealth. Generous people, on the other hand, see the world through the lens of anticipation and gratitude, while the greedy see the world through the lens of scarcity. All right, so the number one thing we learn from Proverbs through these two, generosity is a pathway, a pathway to blessing. Number two, uh, the generous lend to the Lord. And I imagine a lot of you are going like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Now, you've seen, and this is an English word. It's not a cuss word. The bastardization in the church where some televangelist guy says, all right, I need you all to plant a seed of faith. I'm thinking maybe a $1,000 seed of faith. And if you plant that seed of faith, God has promised to multiply it a 100, yay, 500, yay, a thousandfold. And what we find out with most of those cats is that money doesn't go to God. It doesn't go to the poor. It doesn't go for the spread of the gospel. It goes to their jet. Right? And so we have to use good judgment. We have to be wise. The rescue mission tells us don't hand out money to people in the street because that's helping one person probably buy drugs or alcohol. But even if it goes for a good purpose, it's a very inefficient way to help. And they go, what we have at the mission is well thought out. It's 60-some years in the making. We know what we're doing. And, you know, like, we pay 32 cents for a meal. How much do you pay? So it's wiser to give it your resources when you're trying to bless the poor, whether it's the rescue mission or the Salvation Army or somebody who does it well, um, you want to do it intelligently. But let's not make an excuse. The Bible says what it says, uh, the generous lend to the poor. Now let's look at it. Proverbs 19.17, it says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they've done. 
So if you're kind to the least of these, Jesus said, the least of these, my brothers, you're actually doing it for me. And so, again, I'm not telling you to just give money to some dude as a sign, because I think a lot of times they just need to work. But there are many hungry people. It's staggering, not only in the world, I mean, how many billions of people out of 7.5 billion actually go to bed hungry, who don't have clean water, who don't have medical care. We've seen it. But you know what? You don't have to go to Rwanda or Burundi or Uganda to see it. You can actually see it in our own city. The people that work in the city schools will tell you there's so many kids that are homeless. The last number I heard was 168. I don't know if that's still accurate. In our city. Are you kidding me? We're a bunch of people that love the Lord here. We're generous people. We're, we're, we're people from uh, the mountains of Virginia. And yet they're kids that go to bed hungry every night. They're kids that don't know the gospel. They're kids that don't have health care. They're kids that have a cracked tooth too bad for them. And so when Proverbs says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, Jesus really means it. God, God meant it in Proverbs, and Jesus, when he said, as you've done it the least of these, you've done it to me, he meant it. There's actually an example in Proverbs. Can you think of an example of Prover- in Proverbs where, where a generous person is lending to the poor and thereby lending to the Lord. I'll give you a hint. Can you all hear that? I'll give you a hint. It's in Proverbs 31. The Proverbs 31 woman, she's awesome. Men, if you ever think that women just need to stay at home, I'm, you know, my wife chose to stay at home after working, but what I want to tell you is evangelical Christians seem to think women are not allowed to work in church. And what I would say to that is, that's a nice opinion. It's not a scriptural mandate. Not at all. I think of all the doctors and the nurses and the lawyers and, and you who are working, you females that are working, how you've blessed me, how you've blessed my family, how you've blessed our church. Thank you. Thank you guys for working. And those of you who are having to work with kids, thank you times two. Okay, so it says this. The Proverbs 31 woman, it says she opens her hand to the poor. She opens her hand to the poor and she reaches out her hand to the needy. That's a tangible example. She opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hand to the needy. She was a businesswoman. She was a woman very involved with her family. She was selling property. She was doing all this stuff. She didn't have time to do this, but she made time to do it. She, she opened her hand to the poor. She reached out to the needy. And so we see, just as generosity is a pathway to blessing, we saw that blessing. Here, we see the generous lend to the Lord. Now, let me tell you some good news. Have you heard of extreme world poverty? Extreme world poverty, somebody figured out, is anybody that makes, any family that makes less than $1.99 a day. So I'm not handy in math, but if you do, let's just round it to $2 a day times 365. What would that family income be? Yeah, seven, yeah, right, $730 or thereabouts. And you're like, well, you know, things aren't expensive over there in Africa. Are you kidding me? We have friends that, that make salaries like that. Priests, pastors, uh, people that work hard, teachers. And they don't have enough money to buy that nice little red medicine when their kids get an earache. If they crack a tooth or their kid cracks a tooth, sorry. We just don't have money for it. There are days where our own friends, I've had bishops 
tell me that there are times in their life they had no meat for months. I've had priests tell me, because they make even less, priests tell me there are nights where my kids go to bed hungry. I had one guy who was a bishop say, I get to take my kid for an ice cream cone twice a year. And so, friends, I'm just telling you, there are levels of poverty, but there is, Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. And we can't solve it all, but the way the kingdom works is he's invited us to step into it. And not just throw money at the first person with a sign, but to think deeply and strategically with a kingdom mindset. The generous lend to the Lord. Whoever's kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Proverbs woman, she opens her hand to the poor, she reaches out her hand to the needy. And do you know in the last 30 years what's happened in worldwide extreme poverty? Do you think it's gone up or down before COVID? In the last 30 years, we say, is the population's exploding from 6 billion to 7.5 billion? Do you reckon there's more poor people, more poor people, extreme poverty, or less? What would you guess? Way less, way less. Now, it's like a 60% drop prior to COVID, and COVID has really messed with that, okay? But it was a, about a 60% drop. Do you know why? Did it just happen? I mean, it, yes, there's prayer, and prayer is effective, the Bible says. So prayer is a part of that. There's also, honestly, to be frank with you, sometimes the government has to stand up to a dictator. You think of DR Congo, they have all the wealth in the world. Nigeria has, has so many natural resources. So those countries aren't poor, but the people that lead them are crooks. They're dictators. They steal. So even some kids can't even go to school. Kids can't have health care. So sometimes we thank God for government who can exert a little pressure. But the, the main reason the extreme poverty rate's fallen worldwide is, guess what? Why? Because of regular believers like you and me, who said, you know what? Um, it is not right that a kid should go without clean water. It's not okay for kids to keep dying of dirty water. It's, it's ridiculous. We can fix this. This is easy. This isn't even hard. Oh, and, you know, there's vaccinations or, the, or medicines for malaria. We also can work to make sure that people who don't have the resources we do have these things for their children as well. And so because of what I would even call just modest generosity of Christians, we've seen a major impact in the decrease of extreme poverty. So the generous lend to the Lord. Okay, last thing. This is kind of a weird statement. You can tell this isn't my language, but I think it's a good one. It says, the generous, like Jesus, have kingdom ears. Go ahead and grab your ears. I want to see if anybody has as big ears as I do. You know, I never realized what big ears I had until I went to, like, kindergarten I think it was kindergarten or first grade and I thought my ears were awesome right everybody thinks their ears are awesome and then some little five-year-old boy said you've got big ears I'm like really and I cried I'm like mom I have big ears I'm like Dumbo but you know what kind of ears we all need to have we need ears that listen to the cry of the poor Proverbs doesn't say eyes, but I believe eyes to see. But we need to listen to the cry of the poor. Again, we don't have to give to every single person. We're, we're, we're called to be strategic and wise, really wise. Because you can help one person but rob a thousand because you're giving this guy things he doesn't even need. 
But the bottom line is, we're not going to make excuses with that. What we have to say is we have to have ears to hear, ears to hear. Now, here are the Proverbs. Proverbs 21, 13 says this. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Does that, do I have your attention now? What the Lord's saying is, if you're tight-fisted, if you don't have ears to hear the cry of your brothers and sisters in need, you yourself will cry out. Do you think my friend who inherited $10 million and spent it like a drunk sailor, he was a Christian. Do you think he ever thought he'd be one crying out for mercy? That he'd be living in a pauper's ward? No. But God's word is true. And it says, if you shut your ear to the cry of the poor, you also will cry out and not be answered. And friends, that may not happen in your 70 years in life, but there's going to be a day when we appear before the Lord and he says, as you did on the least of these, you did it to me. And for some, he'll say, depart, I never knew you. Because the love of God was not in you. Oh, you raised your hands, you went on mission trips, you sat in a pew, you did religious things, you could say Christianese words. But you did not open your ears to the cry of your brothers and sisters. And so the command is so clear. It says in Proverbs 14, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. Whew. He is generous to the needy, honors the Lord. Proverbs 19 says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord himself. Are you starting to get the picture? It's pretty clear, isn't it? You know, Jesus basically said the same thing, didn't he? So it's not just Proverbs. What did Jesus say that would be very similar to this whole idea of um, if you're generous to the poor, God's going to bless you? And also, why we would give to the poor. Jesus said, truly, truly, I tell you, as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers. He didn't say everyone. The least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. So when you take time, make time in your life to love a kid who doesn't have a mom or a dad, then you're doing that for Jesus. If you make time to pray for somebody, I don't mean, you know, kind of five-second dip your head and come up kind of thing. When you intercede for somebody, you're not just doing it for that person. You're actually doing it for the Lord. When you help somebody get clean water, that's like you're giving Jesus clean water. This is not my idea. It's actually Jesus' idea. He said, truly, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. All right. Oh, gosh, we're, we're so long. What's the opposite of, uh, of generosity? Greed, right? Greed's a weird thing, man. Greed is a thing where you go, I'm going to provide for myself. I'm going to provide for myself. This week I heard a guy, 70 years old, he's a multimillionaire, and he got torqued off about something. He goes, you know what? I'm just going to keep all my money for myself. I'm not giving it to my kids. I'm not giving it to anybody else. I'm going to keep it all for myself. And I thought to myself, you poor, pathetic man. You will have no blessing. And guess what? You won't take a dollar with you. And so Proverbs warns against greed. And the way Proverbs actually warns about it is ripping people off. It's called an un using unequal weights and unequal measures. We see it in Proverbs 20 and Proverbs 11 and so many other places. And God is warning us, don't be greedy. Don't be like that man that goes, you know what? They probably won't notice when I weigh out their grain, but I'm going to adjust the tear weight on my scale. If you ever have a scale, you might notice. If you, if you do coffee, you would know this. Like you can adjust, you tear the, the, the scale. But some greedy little man figured out 
what if I just like tilted that scale 7%? I'll gain 7% more on every sale. And so I'll just create a scale that looks like it's telling the true weight, but it's not. That's what they were doing. And God says, stop it. It's an abomination to the Lord. Not only are you not being generous, you're being greedy. And that's not like me. And so friends, my close this morning is, I want to invite you to the joy of generosity. You know, I will, I will no longer be the rector here one day. I was counting it out. I was like, you know, I was turning 62. Uh, four or five years from now, there'll be a new rector. And, and he'll be awesome. We don't know who it is yet, but it'll be awesome. And I hope after some time away, he'll let me come volunteer here on a prayer team or working with youth or handing out bulletins. I hope he will. But the thing I want to leave you with is our DNA as a church, as Christians, is to be a generous people. Now, here's the last thing. It's kind of weird, but go with me. Hold your hands up. If you only have one hand, that'll do. Okay, now what I want you to do is the same thing the doctor says. You know, he says, I want to see how strong your leg is. Push against me, you know? And especially guys were like, oh, you want to see? Okay, I want you to squeeze your hands as hard as you can until it almost hurts. I want you to hold it. Keep holding. Keep holding. Squeeze it harder. Right now, squeeze it harder. Really hard, like you're showing off. Harder. Harder, harder, you're starting to feel it. Now open it easily. Do you feel that? That's a parable for your heart. This is a greedy person. This is a generous person. Friends, I want you to experience the joy that comes from being an open-handed people so you can enter the joy of your master. Amen.